Lord, we do thank you for the freedom that you have provided for us in this country and for the people who you used to provide it even as they laid their lives on the line. Many of them serving in ways that was, was very costly and, and some of them giving their lives so that we could have the lives that, that we have. And Lord, we realize that today there are a lot of our kids are in danger because they have committed themselves to the cause of freedom. We pray for a special protection for them. And with this Memorial Day celebration, I pray also for the families of those whose loved ones are over there fighting and, and those whose loved ones have, have already given their lives. Lord, help them to have a great sense of the value and the nobility of, of the cause to which they've been committed to. That no one who dies in the cause of freedom dies in vain. You taught us that when you sent your son to give his life so that we could be set free. We thank you for those who have followed that example. The example of sacrifice of realizing that there are some causes that are worth more than life itself. And so God, just make today and tomorrow a time of reflection for all that you've given us and a time of comfort for those who have, have paid the price for that freedom. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless America in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's turn in our Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 5. The earlier part of the book of Ephesians laid out for us the important principles of life and drew for us the picture of grace, the picture of a salvation that was provided for us for free. It wasn't cheap, it was paid for by the life of the Son of God. But it opened the door for us to have everything that God wanted us to have. The richness, the fullness of life as it was designed. And, and it's a gift from God. But the second half of the book of Ephesians is really then building on that concept of grace and saying on the basis of what God has done for you, what should life look like? How should you live the life that you have, that life that's a gift from God, that he handed back to you and gave you in abundance and gave you for eternity? What should it look like? And we saw here in chapter 5, in the beginning, as he reminded them that they are loved children of God, he said, as a result, you shouldn't be living your lives doing the same stupid things that you did before you met Jesus Christ. You shouldn't be spending your life doing things that destroy rather than, than things that breathe life into life. And then we saw last week as he 
spun it into a positive way and challenged us and said, because of God's grace on your behalf, you need to understand you are light. You are given something that is able to illuminate others, that what God has done within you, if you will allow your life to shine, if you will allow your life to reflect the light of God, then not only will your life not be one that's wasted in the works of the flesh, but your life can be used to change other people's lives. Your life can make a difference for others as you are the light that he is bringing into this world to reach those who are lost. Now, beginning with verse 15, well, he wound up that section on walking in light by saying, some of you are like half asleep, not paying attention. And he's, I'm not talking to any of you in particular. I know somebody just woke up and like, whoa. <laughs> but he challenged them and said, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. He has something better for you than for you to just snooze your way through life. And now he focuses on the gift, the most valuable, precious commodity that you have. And we all have it. Inflation doesn't affect it. Recession doesn't devalue it. Every one of us has a gift of time. 24 hours a day. Whether you're educated or not, whether you're old or young, each day, God gives you 24 hours. And he says, here you go. You can exercise your own discretion as to what you're going to do with that time. Now, each of us has a certain number of days that are left. Some of us, probably more than others, certainly. We don't know how many days we have. But time is such a treasured commodity that really, if you have a, a shorter time, you should come to appreciate it more. But no matter how much of it that you have left, the idea that he wants to convey is take that gift seriously. The time that you have is a treasure. It's worth more than everything else that you have. You take somebody who's worth billions of dollars and you bring them to the end of their time and they would give every one of those dollars to buy just a little more time. We all have that time. What do we do with it? How do we invest the opportunities and the time that we have? Well, that's what he challenges us for here. And so he says, see then, verse 15, Ephesians chapter 5, see, he's been saying you're walking in light. Now in light of that light, look at this. See then that you walk circumspectly. That's a big fancy word that means to be looking around and paying attention, noticing details, focusing on where you're going and what you see. The, the uh, Greek word there is a word from which we get the word acrobat. When you watch someone who's an acrobat, they are 
ignoring whatever it is that doesn't have anything to do with what they're doing, and they're saying, I really need to be careful here. I, I'm doing something that's kind of dangerous, and, and therefore this requires focus and awareness, like walking in a bad neighborhood, because we are in a bad neighborhood on this world. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The word wise there is the Greek word sophos. The word fools is the word asophos. So really, uh, it's just not wise. And so a better translation would be walk not as unwise, but as wise. Use your capacity, your ability to think, to process as you live your life. Be aware. Be considering. Keep your eyes open. You know, I think it was Socrates who said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And it's true, if you're living life and you're not even thinking about what you're doing with it and it just fritters away, that's such a waste. He goes on to say, redeeming the time. To redeem means to buy something back, something that was yours and now it's come into someone else's hands and you have to pay a price in order to get it back. It's what Jesus Christ did for us as he redeemed us. He made us and then he redeemed us and bought us back. He says, redeem the time. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But doing that because the days are evil or that word there that's translated evil can mean hard, dangerous, tricky, you know, difficult. Days are are rough, so redeem the time. Therefore, verse 17, don't be unwise. That means literally mindless. Don't live a mindless existence, but understand what the will of the Lord is. When we think about time, it's really, it always interests us, and it's amazing how time flies, And yet, at certain times of your life, it seems like time is just dragging and taking forever. I mean, some of the longest days I've ever had in my life were sitting over there in the room waiting to not get called up to a jury. And you're sitting there, and it's like, this feels like it's taking a week. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I can't believe they have wireless internet, but I didn't bring my computer, and I'm just sitting here, and it's awful, and it seems like, man, it's been like 14 hours, and well, no, actually, they let me go at lunch. It's only there half a day, but it seemed like a lifetime, and you know, normally, though, as you get older, time goes by a lot faster. I mean, I can't believe how old I am. I can't believe how much life I've already lived. I can't believe that You know, chances are there's no way I'm going to live as long as what I've lived so far, and it's just happened so fast. When I was younger, though, it seemed like it was just grinding along. I remember how long the the summers lasted, where even by the end of the summer, you were bored and you were actually wanting school to start again. You totally forgot why you hated school, and you're like, oh, I wish school would start. And then they started up, and you remember why it was a problem, but... (laughs) Man, I'll never forget when, 
when I was waiting to drive, because I started learning to drive illicitly when I was, you know, eight or nine years old, and I would take opportunities. And then, you know, back then, especially with General Motors cars, those, those 50s-era cars, you didn't even need a key to start them up most of the time, because most people left their key out of their lock. And so there were cars in our neighborhood that I knew just didn't require a key, and I thought, to me, that's permission. And <laughs> then it got even more fun when I learned to hotwire a car. And, and so I'm looking forward, and I'm going, man, when I'm 15 and a half, today you can do it at 15, but I can get a learner's permit. Well, I thought I was the best driver on the road already, but a learner's permit meant that I could drive legally and not with all that awareness. You know, I just could relax and drive. <laughs> and finally, the day came, and on, I, I had it calculated to the day, and I had laid out the calendar so that if the DMV questioned whether I'm actually 15 and a half, I could show from the moment I was born 15 and a half years precisely to this hour. Now I can get my learner's permit, and I got it. That was a big deal, but man, that was the longest six months of my life waiting to get my license so that I... Re I didn't have a car, but <laughs> that could be arranged. But I'm like, oh, man, when I'm 16, on my birthday, all I, I don't care what I get for my birthday, I'm going to go get my license. I can't wait. And I was all pumped and practiced. And then it's a few days before my 16th birthday, and my mom had to leave town. And I found out you have to have a parent with you to get your license. Oh, man, I was frantic. I, no, I, I'm going to get my license on my 16th birthday. I don't care. So I enlisted my friend, Rod Deal. He was a lot older than I was. He was almost 18. And <laughs> I go, Rod, you're going to be my dad. And then I hotwired my grandpa's car, took my friend Rod with me down to the DMV down there in Midway City and parked in line where you take the driving test. Of course, I had to leave the car running. And, uh, <laughs> and then I got Rod, this 17-year-old stoner friend of mine, and there's a fence right by there. And so I had him stand behind the fence, and then I got a log and stuck it there so he'd look taller. So he's an 80 pound, seven foot tall <laughs> kid with homemade, you know, prison tattoos. And yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> so the guy, the DMV examiner comes and he gets in the car and he says, uh, shut the car off. And I said, well, I can't, it's my grandpa's car. And I said, you know, the battery's dead, so I have to keep it running. He goes, well, that's not really safe. You shouldn't even have driven the car if the battery's dead and you can't turn it off. And he didn't say anything about there being no key in the ignition. <laughs> he said, where's your parent? And I go, that's my dad right there. And Rod, he's a, you know, low rider. His hair's all slicked back, standing here, you know, this big. And the guy just looked at me and he goes, go ahead. I passed the test. A couple days later, my mom came back, and I go, hey, I got my driver's license. She goes, you don't have to have a parent with you to get a driver's license? I go, no, I guess not. <laughs> but the time from when I was 16 until now seems like a few months. The time just 
goes by so fast. And, and, and it's one of the reasons why we're fascinated by time travel stories and movies. You know, where they do a, a, some kind of a device that allows you to transport back in time. That is so incredible because you think, if I could go back and redo some things, boy, there are some things in my life that I would love to change. I'd love to have another shot at it. Many people, man, I'd love to go back and go through school again and make some different decisions. I'd love to have had a chance to have a relationship with the person that I, I threw that relationship away. I, I would have loved to have worked harder at something or taken that opportunity or done that thing. And so we make movies where that, you know, Marty McFly or somebody could go back and actually fix things. But here, Paul is appealing to that desire and talking about redeeming the time, buying it back. And you think, what if you could go backwards? But, but here's the problem, you can't. You cannot go back. Whatever you've done up until now with your allocation of moments, it's past. You can't do anything about it. But Paul's more concerned with those moments that still lie ahead, those moments that you haven't lived yet, what you're going to do with your life now. And we used to, when we were kids, we so valued the idea of dreaming about the future. As we get older and we flake and make bad decisions and whatever, and we get to where we lose all concept of having a dream for the future. All we can do is look at the past and maybe glamorize it and think it was really good, uh, maybe look at it with regret, maybe believe that I could sure have a different life today if my past was different. But you know what? It's too late to do something about your past. But God has given you this gift of time that is so valuable. And however much time you have left, it's such a gift. And Paul is saying, because of who you are in Christ, because of the fact that he has set you free, because of the fact that he has taken away all of your worries about the future, because he's promised to always take care of you, and he's taking you to heaven someday. You have a life that's going to last forever. Now on this planet, how about doing something about the life that you have left, the time that you have left? And so he says, it's time to wake up. Pay attention to how you spend your time, because if you don't pay attention to how you spend your time, it's amazing. You're going to spend it anyway. It goes by. Maybe you look at your day yesterday and you go, okay, what did I do with that Saturday? Many of us probably just frittered the day away and didn't do anything important. I personally was up at a, at a men's conference up in Northern California. I had a chance to share with some people about the Lord and get some great teaching myself as I listened to some of the other speakers. And it was a great day. I loved spending my day that way. But, you know, I've had a lot of Saturdays where I didn't spend it that way. And I have days when, when I come home, I'm just tired and I just want to veg. I just don't want to think about anything. I just want to escape reality. But Paul to that would go, wait a minute. Don't just throw it away. It's a gift. There are things you can do 
with your life that will make a difference in your life and in other people's lives. And the biggest thief of this stewardship, I mean, one of the biggest thieves today is the entertainment industry. It's amazing. You know, I remember when TVs, not everyone had them, a few people did. It was a big, huge, ugly box with a little tiny tube, and there were maybe three channels at the most, and they weren't on late at night. There's usually, a lot of times, there was only one show on, and then the picture of the Indian came on the test pattern, and sorry, no more TV. Then we started having more channels, and around the clock today, we've got a thousand channels with nothing on. And, you know, and, and then Satan invented the VCR, thinking we could actually stack up shows that we would have to listen to later, but he miscalculated Satan or Sony or whoever it was because we just weren't disciplined enough to actually learn how to use the VCR. So it's just blinking 12 o'clock, and it's like, well, that's not going to work. So along comes TiVo, the greatest technological development in my lifetime, where... Now I can watch whatever I want, whenever I want. I can go through the commercials really fast. I can, you know, if it's like a basketball game, I don't have to watch the whole game. Just watch the last two minutes. That's the only part that matters. And it seems so efficient. And yet, you know, it's a funny thing that happens. If I'm away for a few days and shows stack up on TiVo, I don't think of it as, boy, it's a great chance to just relax and watch TV. I actually feel pressure because I have so many shows I need to catch up on. And these are fake stories. These are, these are ridiculous wastes of time. Now, I'm not on a whole anti-TV rant where you should never watch TV. Maybe sometimes what you need to do is just sit there with the remote control and do it. But when all of a sudden I'm worried, I'm thinking, I have so much stuff I need to do, and I still don't know who won Survivor. And I'm like, it's been several weeks since I've seen it, and they're there on the TiVo, and I don't know, last thing I remember, Coach got blindsided, and now I'm like, wait a minute, who won? I'm thinking, I don't know, that JT guy or something. And it's like, it's a pressure to find out who won Survivor. And other people feel the same way about, don't tell me who won Dancing with the Stars, Sean Johnson. I didn't even watch it. I, I just read it in the paper, but... You know, oh, I've got to find out who, what singer won, what dancer won, what this one, what that one. And the finale, have you seen the finale of this show or that show? And it's never the finale because, well, Prison Break was, but most of, them, <laughs> most of them are just setting you up for next year. And now we're going to be sitting here for the next three months, sitting in front of TV, watching a show we've already seen before. And the sad thing is, I'm halfway through the show before I realize I've seen it before. And we're like, have you seen this mentalist yet? I don't know. It looks familiar, but they're all alike. And, uh, and it's like 20, 25 minutes into it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen this one, but I don't remember who did it and how they solve it. So let's go ahead and watch it anyway. And we spend our lives like that. We spend our life, you know, watching the news. There's no news. Everything is the same as always. It's, they could show the news from two years ago, and it's still pretty much the same. 
you know, there's some natural disasters and everybody's mad at somebody and the economy's looking really bad. I, it happened the other day. I picked up a Newsweek magazine and, and I was in an office and I started reading it. And it took me halfway through the magazine before I turned and looked at the date and it was from 2007. <laughs> and it seemed totally current until they started banging on George Bush. And I'm like, oh, wrong era. What are we doing with our lives? I mean, what are we doing with this gift that we have? Those of you who have raised your kids know how fast they grow up. And yet, why did it seem so important? Why is it that some stupid TV show or some stupid football game caused you to tell your little kid to shut up and yell at your spouse to get him out of the room because you're doing something really important right now? And now they're all grown and they don't want to play with you anymore. And you're like, why did I do this? There are some people who have lost a spouse, lost a loved one. And you look back and you go, I wasn't prepared for that. And then you think, why did I think it was so important to yell at them and vent my anger at them? I mean, do, do you ever feel after somebody dies, do you ever feel like, you know, I'm glad that I had the chance to really give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> I'm glad I had the chance to tell them how they messed up because I sure wouldn't want them to go to heaven not knowing that, you know? <laughs> but in terms of relationships, we only have so much time with our loved ones. What do we do with that time? Do we laugh and have fun? Do we really recreate? Or... Do we spend time acting like we have an unlimited supply of it? We don't. And, and so Paul is saying, I've put you here for a purpose. There's a reason why you're here. You have the potential to be light in this world. So live your life consciously. Don't, don't just go through the motions like you're half asleep. Decide that you're going to live your life using some sense. Now, it, it's not to be obsessive. It's not to just be, oh, you know, I've got to get as much done as possible. I don't have time to breathe or, you know, anything. No, it's not that. But it's the, because sometimes the most important thing for you to do with your family might be to loaf. Sometimes what you need to do is just to take a day off and just veg. So it's okay, but if, if that's what becomes your life, why, why would you want to do that? It's amazing, as he says, you know, to redeem the time because the days are evil or dangerous. Well, what are the dangers? What's, what's the evil? Well, what are you missing out on because of the way that you decide to spend your time? There are a lot of single people who would love to have companionship. They'd love to find a, another person to spend their life with and and yet, what do they do every night? They're not out, you know, doing things, serving God or whatever in ways that they might meet people. They're not even in the places where you might meet someone who would be appropriate for you. There are a lot of single people who sit at home all alone playing video games or staring at their computer screen or whatever and just wasting their life. And Paul would say, do you understand? This is dangerous to risk missing out 
on those priceless relationships and on those priceless moments and on those opportunities to share Christ with somebody. How many people have to go to hell because we just don't have the time to tell them because there's just so much good stuff on TV. When there were only three networks, yeah, I could find some time to get out, but man, Fox came along. It's just, sorry, I've got a commitment. I have to do this. Paul would say, pay attention to your life. Think about what you're doing with it. What your life is, is a product of the decisions that you make. Responsibility, the ability to respond. Here you go. God says, for you, tomorrow, this week, this is a gift I am giving you. What you do with it, that's up to you. You can respond any way you want. You can spend that time, invest that time, or if you want, you can just completely waste it away. But as you get closer to the end of your life, you'll start looking back and going, I wish I could redeem some of that time. I, I wish, I mean, I think of all the things that I have learned by studying, all the answers that I have to questions that people will never ask me. Useless information, useless knowledge. And I can convince myself that, no, it's, it could come in handy someday. It's one reason I've figured out why I like to collect, save so much junk. I have so many books and so much stuff. It's like, I always think, well, I might need it someday. Hey, life is passing us by. And we're, and we're wasting opportunities. And we're not redeeming the time that we have. Now, you can't redeem yesterday. It's already gone. But the time that you can redeem is tomorrow, is this week, the next week. And you go, well, how is that redeeming it? It's not even gone yet. Exactly. But it is gone unless you decide to do something different than what you've been doing. Some of what you have in your future, you've committed to do. And so that time is basically already spent. Some of those things are great things. I have some opportunities coming up to minister to people and share God's love with them. A couple missions trips opportunities. I'm going to be trying to go over to Cuba and minister to some pastors over there. I'm planning on going to China. And I'm like, I'm so excited about those opportunities. I'm excited this week. My wife and I are going to get away for a few days and, and just go off. And I'm like, yeah, this week is great. I, I'm making a wise investment with it. In a couple weeks, Steve Bailey and I are going to take our motorcycles up to Yosemite and ride through the mountains. That's a good use of time. That's going to be a blessing. It's going to be refreshing and fun, and, and it makes sense. But what are you going to do with your time? Probably most of it is just going to happen. Some of it is probably just going to pass by and you will be a creature of the habits that you've already formed because probably this Monday you're going to do what you did last Monday. And next Saturday will pretty much be like some of the past Saturdays because we've programmed into our heads and into our lives a pattern that is, maybe it's not bad, it's just a waste. It's just neutral. It's just nothing. But that time is still yours because it's not here yet. 
And you can decide to open your eyes and to redeem some of that time before you waste it. To do something different with it than you would have. It's not too late for you to plan to do something with your kids the next couple weeks. Something that you wouldn't have done otherwise. Not something you have to do anyway. To do something with your spouse. To do something special for them. I don't know how much time we have left. But as you get older, you start doing the math and realize... It's ticking away. And Paul would say, you've been set free by grace. But you have some time that's ahead of you. Open your eyes. Pay attention. Look for opportunities. Buy back that time that through habit or through overcommitment or through other people manipulating you or whatever, that life in your future, has already been sucked out of you. Many of us, our futures, have the life sucked out of us already because of patterns that we've established or things that we've allowed to happen. And Paul, his heart's breaking over this, and he's saying, come on, don't don't be unthinking, be thinking. And literally where he says, therefore, do not be mindless, literally, A more accurate translation would be stop being mindless. Stop living your life without thinking. Stop looking at the evenings and weekends as being your opportunity to not think. And start to dream and plan for ways in which you can use this time that's such a gift in a way that'll matter more for eternity than the way we're doing it so far. Can't do anything about what we've done in the past. We all have plenty of regrets, but it's a waste of energy to think about that. What's done is done. But if you still have breath and your mind is still able to consider, think about what your time is doing in the future. Think about what you're doing with your life. If you don't like the way your life is, are you doing the kind of things that are going to bring about changes in your life? Or are you doing what Albert Einstein defined as insanity when you keep doing the same thing and you expect different results? You think sometime this is going to work out. Hey, look around you. Reflect on your life. Realize things aren't going to change until you change. And we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who can do that for us. And as he says... In verse 17, therefore, don't be mindless, stop being mindless, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's the key. God, what do you want? I'll tell you something. The life that he wants for you is a life that's full of love and joy and peace. If you're not feeling that, if it's not happening, you're missing some opportunities. Figure out, learn, understand, receive from him. Let the Holy Spirit be in control. Hear what his will is. God, this week isn't mine. It's yours. What do you want me to do? That's not a sacrifice. It's the smartest thing you can do. Nobody knows better than God does how to give you a good week, a great week. And no one wants you to have a great week this week more than he does. Submit yourself to him. Desire his will. 
Open your eyes, pay attention. Don't just let life race by. It happens way too fast. Your kids will grow up way too fast. Your friends are going to die way too fast. Your loved ones, your relationships will, will, will drift apart, and it just happens if we don't pay attention to how we live, if we don't pay attention to how we invest that gift of time. Let's pray. Lord, when you created this world, you created time. It was something that didn't exist before. You created it as a gift for us. And you gave us the ability to choose, and you gave us a framework of time, and you've reminded us to number our days. And here, as Paul has said, you've reminded us to consider, to walk circumspectly with heightened awareness and anticipation, to dream of a, of a future that comes about as a result of, of wise investing of the most valuable asset we have. God, help us to allow you to lead and guide us into the future so that we can buy back some of the wasted time. And we, we understand Satan doesn't have to make us do bad things in order to defeat us. All he has to do is distract us with doing worthless things. So help us, as the author of Hebrews said, to not just lay aside the sin, but to lay aside the weight, the dead weight, the extra stuff that robs us of your will. Help us to receive this week as a gift from you. Help us to make wise decisions so that we can receive every blessing that your will is willing to give us if we will be willing to step out of our routine and to take responsibility for setting priorities of how we live our lives. Lord, I thank you for the patience that you have with us, that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, that we can start this anytime, but Lord, help us to start it today this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. If there's anyone here today who's never accepted Jesus Christ, great news for you.